me, Liddy Rampant. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Rampant Rundown, a socio-political podcast hosted by Glasgow's best political queen, me, Lady Rampant. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned into our episode last week with the Lib Dems. Don't forget, you can catch a new episode of the Rampant Rundown every Wednesday evening at 5pm on all good places podcasts are found. Now, this season on the Rampant Rundown, we are speaking to affiliates from each political party in Scotland to find out what they are offering in the upcoming elections, particularly for the LGBTQ community. Now, for the first time this week on the Rampant Rundown, I am joined by not one, but two guests from the SNP, and I'm very excited to speak to both of them. The more the merrier, eh? So before we get into this week's episode, I have some things I'd like to say about the SNP. Now, this podcast series is not about me, it's not even about my drag, it's about the Scottish elections, and this season is really for the LGBTQ plus community and our allies. Now, because of that, I said that I wouldn't really be taking a personal stance with my own views, but to be honest, this week at the outset, I really just want to make my views abundantly clear. So as most of you will know listening, I am an SNP member myself. I pay my membership fee every month. I work frequently with the party and I work with SNP politicians. In the coming elections, I will be both votes SNP and my constituency and my regional vote because I do think that the SNP is a vehicle for change here in Scotland. However, and it's a big however, I am really not oblivious to the issues within the SNP particularly that of transphobia. And do you know what, right? I'm just going to be frank. It truly pains me, to be honest. I think there has been progress made within the SNP, but there is a lot of work to be done. And in my capacity with the SNP, I will be doing my absolute best to support and to continue to fight for trans rights. Now, with that said, I'm going to be conducting this episode by sharing facts about the SNP, what they've done for the LGBTQ plus community, of course, but I'm also going to be a critic of the SNP. And you might think, well, why are you doing that if you're such a big supporter of the SNP? But to be honest, I think that it's actually really important that we do critique political parties, even more so the ones that we support. Because I think when you just give blind loyalty to a political party, I think we're sort of venturing into very dangerous territory. Now, don't forget the SNP are a political party at the end of the at the end of the day, and critique actually forms part of democratic society, democratic elections, and it leads to accountability because then it, it helps you make a more informed choice of who you're going to vote for in elections going forward. That's just politics. So. I will always do this and I will always critique any political party that I support because my loyalty actually lies not with a party per se, but more so with the LGBTQ plus community, including the trans community. And that will always be the case before any political persuasion or any political party that I might be a member of. Anyways, now that's my wee disclaimer out the road, I thought I would give you some facts on the SNP about their track record for the LGBTQ plus community and indeed speak to our guests to see what they can offer 
the, the community going forward. Okay then, some facts about the SNP here in Scotland. Now in 2011, as you'll remember, the SNP actually won a majority in Holyrood, which isn't even supposed to happen here in Scotland because we have the additional member system. The way that our voting system is, is set up is to produce coalitions in Scotland. So that was a very interesting turn of events in 2011 when the SNP got so many votes that they won a majority. However, in 2016, the SNP actually lost their majority, but they did still win the election and they proceeded in Parliament as a minority government, with of course continued support from the Scottish Greens in some matters. Now, in the last election in 2016, the SNP won 59 constituency seats and four regional seats, taking them to 63 MSPs in Parliament. So they were just too short of a majority again. They were just two MSPs short of forming that majority. But uh, like I said, they did still form a government which was a minority government going forward. In general, you will know the SNP, but just in general, they're pro-independence, pro-EU, and they are seen as a prog progressive political party here in Scotland. Now, unfortunately, at the time of recording, we do not have the election manifesto as of yet, which is a big pain in my arse. <laughs> but we are going to have a look back at the previous election manifestos to see what the SNP have said. And uh, we'll be able to compare that going forward once we see the, the election manifesto when it comes out. Time is ticking, Nicola Hen. I want to see it now. <laughs> but uh, the first thing that I want to mention then about the 2016 election manifesto isn't just for the LGBTQ plus community, but it's about Scottish independence and indeed the, the will to hold a second independence referendum. Now, we see all of this chat all the time from Bojo and his pals that oh, the, the referendum was a once in a lifetime opportunity and, and all of that jazz, right? But that is just political spin because that was never written down anywhere in the election manifestos or indeed the Edinburgh Agreement in 2012, I think the Edinburgh Agreement happened. Somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. But anyway, in the 2016 election manifesto, the SNP stated that if there was a material change in circumstances, i.e. Scotland being taken out of the EU against its will, then the Scottish Parliament should have the right to hold another independence referendum. Now, the SNP were elected on that promise in 2016 and they were given a clear mandate to continue to push for Scottish independence. So I think this time round, it's going to be really interesting to actually see the wording of the election manifesto for the SNP regarding Scottish independence. Because five years ago in 2016, that was conditional upon that material change in circumstances. And those circumstances are completely different now. We are no longer a member of the EU. So yeah, I'm really excited and uh, intrigued to see what they're going to say in the manifesto for Scottish independence. Anyways, now moving on to see what the SNP have promised the LGBTQ plus community in their past manifestos, which to be honest, there have actually been a few given that <laughs> we've had one Scottish parliamentary election in the last five years and we've had two Westminster elections. So let's see what they said then for the LGBTQ plus community. In 2016, their election manifesto, I'm looking at it right now, it actually didn't say that much for the LGBTQ plus community, other than it would continue to fight to end discrimination in sport and would issue new guidance and funding to teachers to help tackle prejudice-based bullying. 
But to be honest, I think we can do better than that. Um, in 2017, in their Westminster Election Manifesto, in relation to gender recognition reform, the SNP stated that the Scottish Government would be committed to reviewing and reforming gender recognition laws in line with international best practice. So what this does then, this actually gives Scotland the opportunity to diverge an approach from the more conservative approach that we see in England regarding gender recognition reform for the trans and non-binary communities. But as it stands with the SNP, we've seen two public consultations, but no draft bill as of yet to reform the law. Now, the SNP have stated that the, the bill was actually shelved in the past uh, due to the fight for COVID. So hopefully it's going to be a high priority if the SNP are re-elected. Now, just a side point, actually, gender recognition reform has been, has been unfortunately controversial, to say the least, um, for the SNP. And it's caused a bit of a row uh, within the party, I must say, with certain factions dissenting from the more progressive stance that the SNP is taking on gender recognition reform than that that we see in England. These people often claim to be gender critical feminists, but let's just call it what it is. It's transphobia, all right? Um, now, in 2019, the SNP went a bit further and they actually released a full separate LGBTI equality manifesto for the Westminster elections. It's on Google. Go and have a wee look at it. It makes certain commitments and certain promises. But among other things, it said that it would introduce a draft bill on gender recognition reform. It would continue to demand full devolution of equality law, employment law and immigration powers to ensure full protection of LGBTQ plus people. It would continue to press the UK government to allow non-binary people to record their gender as X on passports and other identity documents. And it would continue to oppose conversion therapy. Those were just some of the promises, among others, that they committed to doing in that separate 2019 election manifesto. So then, as it stands, the SNP does have a strong track record in coming out in support for the LGBTQ plus community. It was actually under the SNP that we've seen, we seen same-sex marriage legalised in 2014. Scotland was the first country in the UK to introduce PrEP available on the NHS through the SNP. And of course, the SNP has also passed other legislation such as the Turing Law, issuing a formal pardon to those convicted of homosexual acts via legislation in the past. Now, there's still a lot of work to be done in the SNP and here in Scotland, but I think that that is a very good point to stop and speak to our guests this week to see what they have to say about the SNP and the upcoming elections. Okay, so now moving on to section two of this week's episode, and I'm joined by not one, but two very special guests associated with the SNP. My first guest is a Northern Irish gal living in Scotland. She is a trans ally and lesbian campaign coordinator at Out for Indy, the SNP's LGBTQ plus branch. It's Sarah Chung. Woo! Hi there. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing all right. Just a bit, just a bit tired. <laughs> it's mostly just because, like, oh, juggling with out for independent stuff, uh, and also trying to help uh, campaign for um, Graham Campbell to get elected in in the regional list for mm -hmm. the Lovians. Um, sorry, Lovian rather than Lovians. <laughs> 
Um, so, and also my day job as well, uh, being as an administrator supporting for insurance brokers. Um, not going to say my day job. <laughs> Name. <laughs> um, You're really busy then. You've got lots going on. My second guest for today is the chair of the Aberdeen Independence Movement. She is the director of Ask Her to Stand 5050 Parliament campaign, and she is currently the lead SNP candidate in the North East region. It's Fatima Joji. Woo! <laughs> Hello, Fatima. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, <laughs> I'm not just saying that like generally I have. <laughs> so well, I'm, I'm really happy to have you on as a guest as well, Fatima. I think we met we met virtually for the first time at Karen Adams adoption night. So um I thought we have to have you on as well. We have to have you as a guest on the podcast after we met that night. Um, but I think we're just going to jump straight into questions now then. We've got a lot to get through. And I, of course, I have two guests this evening, which is fantastic. So we've got a lot to cover. And my first question, which you might think is a wee bit of a cheeky question, but I have to ask, since we, we are all SNP members ourselves, and that is, do you think that the Alaba party may affect the SNP's performance in the upcoming elections? And why do you think then that both votes SNP is so important? Um, no, because I feel that they will be appealing to a completely different demographic. I think people who vote Scottish Greens, for instance, who are tipped to be um, most affected, um, a lot of them who vote Scottish Greens vote Scottish Greens for green policies. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the people who vote for SNP vote for SNP because we have progressive policies. We are a pro-Indie party with policies to offer. Yeah. And I feel a single issue, issue party with um, no policies or no history of performance is a hard sell to the wider electorate. And I don't think many people will go for it across the demographic, yet alone six weeks out from the election. Um, yeah. I doubt they'll be able to capture the minds of undecideds, floating voters and people who want mm. to see how um, we govern on many issues as we will form a government. Um, so um, I think you mentioned why both votes SNP is so important for the yes, second did, part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so like um, both votes SNP is important because you'll be voting for a government for the next five years. Mm -hmm. And um, if we want to push through the progressive policies that we're having, then we, it's useful for us to have a majority. We do need a majority. And the SNP has great policies, progressive, inclusive ones, a record to be proud of. Um, <laughs> and ones that we're consistently building on, re-evaluating, consulting with the general public, because um, we're showing everyone in Scotland that we want to build. That's for you and your family and your friends, your children, your grandparents, um, to everyone you hold dear. I want to see a life um, that you have reason to value. So if you want a progressive party with a great record and a leader with integrity and compassion, um, who has led the nation day in and day out through COVID, then it absolutely has to be both votes SNP for majority government. Fantastic. Sarah, is there anything that you want to add to Fatima's very inspirational um, speech? So <laughs> And, and everything uh, what Fatima said has basically echoed for her. Could you see the reason why I got her to um, answer first? <laughs> so in terms of the Alaba party, um, I don't want to give them any attention or oxygen onto it. Um, and maybe I, uh, I, will, I have a lot of many choice words and they're not very polite. Um, especially considering in the last 24 hours, we just saw how many, it, 
if you look at the at the people who are joining that party, that doesn't say to me that they are going to appeal to the wider uh, population of Scotland. And I'm just going to leave it at that. They are a one-issue party, and they're not wanting to address any particular issues. Um, and I think you would actually notice it from my Twitter, <laughs> Lady Rampant, <laughs> about certain things <laughs> that I have said uh, about some of the former members. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and for the Bofos SMP, I can see, I guess, from coming from um, someone who's mostly working behind the scenes on stuff, trying to persuade people on voting for uh, Bofos SMP. Um, I think it's important uh, because we need uh, that uh, that majority in order to basically tell Boris Johnson um, that this is what the people of Scotland has basically spoken. He will, and will have to say this, he will be mostly focused on the SNP because the SNP is their biggest opponents in order to, uh, biggest opponents to his power. I mean, you just take a look at the last general election of 2019. Mm-hmm. And whilst and Nicola Sturgeon did say, did say this to him while she's standing at the podium, you might uh, be able to have the, have the mandate to take the rest of the country out of the EU, but you do not have a mandate in Scotland. Mm-hmm. So when everything started painting in yellow and when she started <laughs> to troll onto Twitter by basically playing Coldplay's yellow <laughs> onto it, um, that, you know, we need, to, basically, we need that mandate because it's important in order to get independence. Both those SNP is important for that. Also, because we just, uh, because if you look at the list uh, regions, we have now uh, got like um, BAME members and disability members at the top of the list. So it will get us in, so basically it will make Hollywood uh, reflective of a modernized Scotland. Yeah, I think that's a very important point actually as well with the second vote being the regional vote. And we we do see more um, candidates with disabilities and BAME candidates at the top of that. So I do think that that potentially could be more reflective of the Scotland and, and the society that we actually live in. But I think it's interesting because both of you mentioned there that Alaba is a one-issue party. So I want to bring that back to the to the SNP because some critics of the SNP, primarily the Conservatives, would say oh. that the SNP are a, a one-issue party focusing on independence. <sighs> and all other issues such as economic recovery and social justice are secondary to the SNP. So my question then is, first of all, what would you say to these critics? <laughs> and second of all, what, what do you think that the SNP could do then to ensure that they're not just a one-issue party in the next five years in office if they were elected again? Well, yeah, there's actually evidence that we're not, because if you look at our record, we do have a record to be proud of. And... Um, like even from March, like from the onset of the pandemic, when we went into lockdown, um, the Scottish government delayed work on independence to focus all um, our resources on fighting the coronavirus pandemic. So there wasn't really much work put, in, put into independence. And it's only just recently that we released the draft bill, mm-hmm. which was before election. And um, we have been the ones actually pressing the UK government throughout this pandemic to help the people in the country. Um, 
that when the furlough scheme came about, we have been the ones pushing for the UK government to extend it. Uh, we have been the ones introducing measures to reduce poverty and inequality in the midst of Tory cuts and um, Tory austerity, such as slashing or abolishing business rates um, for over 117,000 premises. Like business is important in the northeast of Scotland where I'm from, so <laughs> I'm always looking at what we're doing for small <laughs> businesses. So yeah, we've saved small businesses around two billion to date. Okay. And if you just look at the rest of our record, we've maintained free tuition, we've improved access to healthcare with free prescriptions, and um, we've, nice. <laughs> we've introduced the baby box, Oh, yeah, and, cool. um, yeah, yeah, and uh, if, what Sarah's just mentioned now, the NHS, um, the UK government has given um, a one percent pay rise, whereas we've gone for four percent. We gave yeah. a five hundred pound bonus, and they tried to tax it. We adopted the UNRC. Am I saying it right? United Nations Convention of Rights. Yeah, UNRC. We implemented that, and they tried to take us to court over that. Yeah. So I think when it comes to who's are a they trying party, to take up the court, or are they tried? Well, yeah, they're planning. Well, with okay, trying, right. they're trying. Um, so when it comes to single issue, I think they are the ones because they're the ones obsessing over independence. They've made it their issue to obsess over it. But there's also another thing, another side to this. We cannot ignore. We can't ignore the opinion polls that show a consistent majority support for independence because. It's just showing that more people want decisions about Scotland to be taken by the people who live here. Um, because we've just seen Boris Johnson's government, um, they've overseen a reckless Brexit policy, which demonstrates why Westminster control over Scotland is damaging. So these are things that we can't ignore at the same time. And it always boils down to this, independence, social justice, Anything you want to mention, are, they're not mutually exclusive. It's possible to care about more than one thing. And I think that's something that we have to drum across because we get it on both sides. The far-right independence movement, oh, you don't care about indie whenever we talk about other issues. And then we've got the Tory side saying, oh, you don't, you care too much about India and I'm not talking about other issues. You can't win. And it always comes down, I always say, they're not mutually exclusive. You can care about more than one thing and it's not difficult to so that's the only thing i have to say about that to be honest yeah i i, I see that quite a lot in the media of where it's, i think it was douglas ross recently uh nicholas sturgeon had spoken on the media and she didn't mention independence once and then douglas ross came on and said nicholas sturgeon is one issue party and she just talks about independence and it's like hun who's the one talking about independence here because <laughs> it wasn't nicola so i think what we're trying to say is to the critics sarah and fatima have the receipts they've got the receipts um but then you're speaking fatima of the the track record of the snp and what i would say is of course the snp does have a strong track record for securing lgbtq plus equality rights and access to, to health care. So my question to either of you is what are the SNP promising the LGBTQ plus community in the coming elections? And where do you think then, well, first of all, what are they promising? But where do you think there's work to be done for the LGBTQ plus community in Scotland? And how can the SNP go on and, and do that work? Well, firstly, the SNP has really secured a good track record on securing LGBTQ plus rights. However, I'm not going to, and I will bluntly say this, um, we have actually failed on the part of uh, trans on making sure that the trans community has been protected. However, there are uh, now, um, 
the mass migrate because of the mask of resignations of what has happened, they started to realize that actually we needed to take a look at these things. I think what they have realized is that um, the whole uh, conversation about transphobia and everything, they are not clued up on the subtle remarks about it the, as in we're not talking about the actual uh transphobic slurs we're talking about the subtle uh remarks about it it's just like the same thing with race it's just like the same thing with racism if someone calls me um a yang yang whatever it is um a lot of people will be focusing on that but then they don't actually focus on the subtle remarks such as, oh, you're Chinese and therefore you support whatever, whatever, um, which I'm not going to go down that route. <laughs> um, so I think they have underestimated the, the, top, uh, the issue of white transphobia within the party. But we are, but, and also with the commitment of I for Independence, we have made headways with it. So we have adopted our, the definition of discrimination, which includes transphobia. We, and if you look at the equality mechanisms, most of, in fact, uh, most of the people that are basically are sitting on the regional list, just like Fatima right here, they are allies, they are LGBTQ plus allies, and they will, and they will basically fight for trans rights. And also, if I want to point out something right here for this, they now because they're aware of things, and Parliament has actually um, is now in recess until the new Scottish government is formed. Those people, they're not in the SNP anymore. They've jumped bridge to that party. So, <laughs> so that's, that's totally <laughs> just fine by us. Yeah. So, but that is a commitment. Um, I know for for independence, our group, our independent, our even though we are the national LGBTQ plus wing of the SNP, we are autonomous and we campaign extensively on LGBTQ plus rights and we will not be quiet about it. We will actually uh, say to our MSPs, hey, to our elected MSPs, hey, we need you to take a look at this. Mm -hmm. So we are not going to be quiet about this. And not only that, the great thing is that all of the other affiliates within the SNP is also backing on LGBTQ plus rights. So the BAME network, for example, which I am also a member of intersectionality for the win so basically there is the will the will is there mm -hmm. um and you will definitely be hearing from us in the next five years yeah so i totally agree with what you're saying Sarah. i think there is a lot of work to be done for the trans community um it's part of the lgbtq plus community in scotland and i think a lot of, of critics and indeed supporters of the smp have said that the smp has failed the the trans community unfortunately and some people have even said that the SNP is not a safe space for trans people um, and what we've seen is a lot of LGBTQ plus people and young activists leave the party which is very upsetting of course and it's, it's it's totally unacceptable that a lot of a lot of people have felt no choice but to to do that so I think you touched on it a little bit there that you think some people who were within the party have now migrated elsewhere but what do you think then that the SNP can do going forward to restore faith in the LGBTQ plus community and the trans community and non-binary community in particular? Well, the will, like I said so before, the will is there. It's unfinished business, definitely for OFI. 
So um, the will is definitely there. We have worked alongside with numerous and numerous of MSPs within uh, the SMP who are willing to actually to pursue um, LGBTQ plus rights. And plus, um, before Parliament was um, broken up for the election, mm-hmm. um, I also want to add in that the Scottish government did actually open up like some sort of uh, consultation to talk with non-binary people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is, so that if that's anything, that is an example that they are putting the interests of LGBTQ plus people within their hearts and it is within their hearts yeah of course i think that there is a lot of work to be done in the smp does have its work cut out for it in relation to the trans community because of course it's it's issues as members of the lgbtq plus community and allies if there's one one aspect of the community that's being mistreated that matters to all of us and i think without for independence having worked with it for independence myself several times then i know that that is a, an organization that is going to commit to continue to campaign continue to to lobby their msps and and really try and push the agenda to ensure that the trans community do feel protected and and served within the smp um but to flip that on its head then i think what some people would say is of course there might be a will in the smp to, to serve the trans community and to correct wrongs that have happened in the past in the party. And you mentioned that there are some people who are now back in the SNP as well. But then let's talk about gender recognition reform, because some people might say that actually having the will is not just enough and actually we need to see some action. And I think that maybe comes up as well with gender recognition reform. Because in 2017, in the Westminster Election Manifesto, the SNP stated that the, the Scottish government was committed to re- reviewing and reforming gender recognition laws. However, the Scottish government opted for a second public consultation instead of producing a draft bill for gender recognition reform. And of course, with COVID, there has been delays. But as it stands, the SNP has still not reformed gender recognition law in Scotland. So yes, there may be the will within the SNP to protect the trans community. But what how can LGBTQ plus people, and, and particularly the trans and non-binary community, trust that the SNP will follow up on its promise to reform the law if it's re-elected? Well, let's put it this way. As I said so before, OFI will not remain silent on that. They have made that commitment, and we are, um, despite, and as I stated before, um, even though we are the LGBTQ wing Uh, official wing of the SNP. We are autonomous of the SNP and we campaign for each and every member of the LGBTQ plus community. And that means trans rights. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I will never shut up about it because basically that it, it, it resonates so much with me because of the fact that, well, my, my sister-in-law is currently um, undergoing transition at the moment. And not only that, it just reminds me of the hate, the purest hate that I seen whenever I had um, homophobic attacks uh, basically aimed at me in Northern Ireland. So I definitely won't be, uh, won't be quiet on it. I will basically be, my team will also be holding them to account onto it. But in terms of uh, the bill, yes, it was... <laughs> It was a massive pity that the bill was shelled, but I do want to emphasize here that the bill would have actually, in theory, it would have actually came back had it not been for COVID because everything was shelved because of COVID because everything like 
I mean, like you've seen how Nicola Sturgeon was standing each and every day just trying to address the public. And I'm I'm actually kind of wondering, does she even get any sleep? Um, um, But everything had to be all redirected and focused on the COVID. But another thing is that the people, like as I said so before, the people, if elected, um, like the trans allies like Fatima here, you bet that the that G, once GRA comes in, all those people will be on on board of G, of GRA. I think what the SNP has misunderstood, the leadership has misunderstood, was the amount of subtle hate that was coming, that was basically starting to come out, and they don't understand it, and now they're starting to understand it. Mm-hmm. There is that recognition. Uh, I mean, they're actually coming over to the affiliates, to the BAME network, and also to, especially over to us, asking us, what can we do? What can we do um, to address this transphobia so we can pass this, uh, the GRA reform over to, uh, in the next parliamentary session? So, so I, I understand where the skepticism is coming from, but believe me, in the next five years, I do believe that is going to come. Mm-hmm. So that, that's quite an interesting point that you mentioned there. So is the SNP actually reaching out to Out for Independence and asking you how to move forward with transphobia and how that they can... The definition of transphobia has been adopted by the NEC. Yeah. So that you think that the SNP is committed to reforming gender recognition law and would do so if re-elected again? And the elections. I cannot. Um, well, first of all, uh, I also want to point out we don't have the manifesto yet. <laughs> I know it's so annoying, isn't it? it, would be it, so it we don't have the manifesto it. yet, but yeah. the commitment is there, and we won't be very quiet about this. Yeah, I know our tra- I know our senior trans person will be quiet about this. Okay, no, thank you very much for that, Sarah. I, I, I really appreciate that. So then moving on to my next question, what we've seen recently as well is the SNP's selection contest. So 22 BAME candidates participating, which is the highest number for the party to date. Yet what we've also seen as well is some members are saying that BAME people have just been parachuted in to tick boxes. So then my question to you both is, do you think that the SNP does enough to serve the BAME community? And what could it offer BAME voters if it was re-elected for the next term? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, so basically, what kind of world do we live in? Um, we live in a postmodernist capitalist society that's based upon the principles of a representative democracy. And um, self-evidently, uh, we don't have a representative democracy, representative democracy, sorry. And the consequences of that is that it results in a democratic deficit that actually affects us all. So there is nothing controversial about making society more inclusive. We need to move away from this rhetoric that we somehow live in a meritocracy, because if we so did, there would certainly be more women in parliament, first of all. <laughs> we would Parliament would be more diverse because if you look across every aspect of society, every demographic, we do have very capable people and if you look at the statistics such as educational attainments and all that kind of you see a lot of the marginalized communities perform really well in that setting as well so where people want to base performance on academic academia where are all the BAME people mm-hmm. at the top so and you realize that once you look at the makeup of any organization it's always the same look it's always the same people at the top 
the House of Lords that we saw, they were all men inherited their positions. That yeah. is not meritocracy. <laughs> Absolutely. So that, was, uh, yeah, that was an eyesore. So, <laughs> pale male and stale. No, I don't mean like they were ugly because they weren't. Uh, and <laughs> I'm gonna stop talking. Before I get accused of a man, being a man here, which I have been before, because I Fatima is born in. I was I was accused of being a man here because I work in fifty fifty parliament. Oh wow! So people are just assuming that we wanted to chuck men out of parliament to get women in, and we're like, we want to ensure that we draw upon the widest pool of talent. Yes, to have our representative democracy, mm-hmm. and there's absolutely nothing like that, and there's not absolutely nothing wrong like with that. Uh-huh. And by uh-huh. doing so, we're making sure that we don't leave people behind. Because the reason why we have so much failed policies is because these voices are missing from the table. And there's nothing wrong with having making sure that you have those voices there that mm-hmm. can actually impact policy because it works for everyone. It makes society healthy. And therefore, what the SNP has done, they've taken, we've taken a bold step because sometimes policies like these have to be forced through. We tried with the membership, a lot of the membership, some of them, just a small vocal minority do have prejudiced views. And I'm going to say from the, from the standpoint here that I, I do have someone in the Northeast who basically accused BAME and disabled people of stopping ordinary people from getting in. So what sort of dichotomy is she, what sort of distinction is she making yeah. fame and disabled people stopping ordinary people so that's the kind of mindset and if it was down to qualifications there would have been I know for instance councillor Julie Baum giving her a shout out she would have been much further high, high up on the list because she's a councillor with an impressive record but that doesn't happen so we force policies through there's nothing controversial and this idea like they're calling us the illegal candidates now Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> if you vote SNP on the list, you're voting for illegal candidates. Oh, the language of lawyers, awful. It's, I know it's, it's totally it's, unacceptable. It's, I'm so sorry that you've had is. to endure that, Fatima. That's oh, no. just ridiculous. I've, yeah. I've had a Facebook comment saying, I'm not going to vote for an illegal candidate. Uh, um, but also, what is an illegal candidate? That is not nice to know. Can you take them to court? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> they're, they're just playing out, out this fear out this narrative because they don't want um they don't want what we have i think a lot of them are just prejudiced they're just biased and they're happy with the status quo so they basically the t- language of lawyers they don't have precedent this is new they don't have precedent they don't have any point of reference so all they could say is this could be challenged because there's absolutely no proof to show that it's been allowed. Mm-hmm. And everything gets challenged. And once it's cleared up, there's precedent. So the no- next party that does that, to say we were challenged and we pass it through, the next party to pass it through, they'll just say, oh, it's perfectly legal, look in this case. So they just said we could be challenged. And I think the fact that no one has really taken us to court over this just says a lot about how they don't really have a case because we have argued our case very well it's the lists mm-hmm. and we've made it more representative the membership didn't listen quite because of a few vocal minorities and we weren't able to diversify from the wide pool of talent that we have 
So this new mechanism, it's been praised as far as Germany, Northern Ireland, it's been praised. And we're looking, we're, we're being looked at as a progressive party, party that's inclusive. And it's very good for voters as well, because we are showing the kind of Scotland that we want to build, where everyone is welcome, where everyone has something offered to get something to offer, no matter which demographic you're from, no matter what your background is. And all we're doing is making sure that we utilize our diverse talent, which is the best, which is better for everyone in this society. So I applaud the SCB for doing this. Oh, that, that's nice. And, and just to put it on the record, it, <laughs> I'm not um, like, it could not, it could easily have not been me at the top of the list. So it could have been, and we all stood knowing that we all had members could have voted anyone else. So it's not because I'm at the top of the list. It could not easily have not have been me. Some very vocal people that have pushed us through, such so, as so Jamie is not on the top of the list, but he's really championing it. So it's, we have representation and I would have been so glad just to have that representation in the first place. Yeah. So, because that really should be the case. Like we should, it should yeah. have been the case already. Do you know what I mean? So I really agree with your point, Fatima, that there's nothing controversial about having a parliament that reflects our society that we live in. What? Why is that controversial? So no, I agree with your points that you raised there. Thank you for sharing. And also sorry that you've had to go through some of that, quite frankly, <laughs> shit that you've had thrown your way. Um, uh, they can keep talking. I'll just go to bed after having a lovely meal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're gonna sleep easy, Fatima, because you're a good person. <laughs> yeah, I really am sorry to hear that. But hopefully, going forward, hopefully this is just the start of a more representative Hollywood in the coming years. Like Fatima said, we we don't have a precedent of it. Well, hun, after this year, we do, and hopefully that the only way is up, and we're gonna continue to grow upon people of Scotland and represent them in Parliament exactly the way that we are in society. So I'm really hoping that that, that is the case going forward. So, Fatima, then, how does it feel to be ranked the first candidate for the SNP in the North East region? Because that's some achievement. So how are you feeling about that? It's so exciting. I am really, I, I recognise the responsibility it comes with, um, considering that if I'm elected, I will be the first Black, I could be the first Black um, Muslim woman in Parliament because we do have um, other being candidates as well mm -hmm. but I could be one of and I hope that if we get all our list candidates elected then we will have many BAME candidates but it is it feels surreal it's a privilege and it's one that I am absolutely not going to take for granted because I entered politics I think as cheesy as it sounds I came into politics because I was just a bit I was just mad at the status quo the contemporary state of affairs I was just mad and um, you just see some policies coming through a lot of them made with conjecture and guesswork like prevent and um, that's a policy that till this day really just <laughs> sets me on edge mm -hmm. and and a lot of other policies that overlook many communities to the point that they're actually detrimental once implemented okay so I think just looking at these and then recognizing that these voices are missing mm -hmm. that could have prepared for these effects or they could have enriched our policies. So mm -hmm. when looking at the parliament, I was like, nah, this is not Scotland. We are a decision-making body in parliament. Yeah. Whatever we do is going to affect our day-to-day -day lives. Every aspect is going to have far-reaching consequences. So and I'm the kind of person, I know I'm proactive, I know I like to do things, I know I like to get things done. So 
there are many different avenues to create change. And I just felt that politics was a place where I felt empowered to actually do a lot for the benefit of not just people from like me, because I, I don't want to use the term um, ethnic minorities, because I want to say rather we're an inclusive party. Mm-hmm. And I want you to add to that and help em- amplify that and use my knowledge as well, because I'm from a communications and inter- humanitarian background, international development, and I specialize in poverty and inequality. So a lot of what I do, and they're very broad, poverty and inequality, because the definitions are very broad. So there's poverty in politics. That means that you're excluded from the, you're disenfranchised, you're excluded. Mm-hmm. That's a form of poverty because you have material and immaterial. Of Before course. I start outlining my whole course note. <laughs> <laughs> No, so absolutely, I want you to bring that knowledge and hopefully plug a gap and just try and ensure that we keep our commitment to creating a Scotland where no one's left behind and where we have, we can all lead a life that we have reason to value. So I see it as a privilege and I hope that I'm able to do, I will, because I do want to, I will, I do want to create positive change for us all. Oh, fantastic, Fatima. And I think you would make a fantastic MSP. I really, really do. I'm going to be, do you know what? See, once you get elected, I'm going to be at home eating my lunch watching uh, like First Minister's questions and I'm going to be watching the next day. I'm like, oh, there's Fatima. Yeah, that's going to be me. I'm going to be the fangirl at home, pure love and life, seeing you, seeing you on the screens. But no, I think you would really be fantastic. And my fingers and toes and everything that I have across for you to to make it into to Hollywood for the next session. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, I'll look forward to it. <laughs> Doing right. good in the world. Uh, um, yeah, absolutely. One step at a time. I'll just say it's just important. I just want to make the point of empowering communities. No one's too old or too young to make a difference. No one's too old or too young to challenge anything. And you have evidence of people doing things from a really young age and solely in their prime. Like, see the, the person who, um, the um, retired army, I think, general or something, who walked around raising money for the NHS. That is, he had such an impact. So I think just never let anyone, if I was to, like, give any advice, just never let anyone tell you that you can't. And don't let any your circumstances put you off. There's support out there. Just look for it. Just find it. And... To be honest, I'm here to help anyone if they want to get in touch with me. No matter who you are, just reach out. Because we're all in this together. Seriously. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. oh my goodness, Fatima. I want to reach out. I want to speak to you. <laughs> yes, I want to reach out. No. Honestly, we're richer when we work together and our diversity is special. And honestly, I just hate this circumstance. Like I've been on my own. I've held views in the past that I'm not happy about. I've been kind of I've been a judgmental person in the past and you grow and you learn and I think the best thing you can do as a person is learn from your mistakes know when you're wrong which is why I have so much respect for our first minister because she's admitted to that as well and she's learned as well so just yeah just we can make ourselves better and everyone around us too yeah absolutely oh that is so inspirational Fatima thank you (laughs) so much for joining me today it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you and Sarah like I said I look forward to meeting both of you in person and not virtually after coronavirus and uh, my fingers and toes across for you to get elected into Holyrood don't forget if you are in the northeast region then you can select SNP on your second vote and Fatima is the first rank candidate there so don't forget to get out and vote on Thursday the 6th 
of May. But I want to say thank you so much to both of you for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure and I can't wait to, to meet you in person. So it's bye for now. Bye. Okay, so that brings us now to the end of this week's episode of the Rampant Rundown, where we are speaking to affiliates from each political party in Scotland to find out what they can promise the LGBTQ plus community in the coming elections. If you are enjoying the podcast so far, don't forget you can follow us on Instagram at the Rampant Rundown, where we post posters and other information regarding the podcast series. If you're enjoying it as well, don't forget you can tell your granny, you can tell your pals, you can tell whoever will listen to you that there is a drag queen political podcast discussing the Scottish elections available right now on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts even, on Spotify, wherever all good podcasts are found. If you want to discuss anything that we're talking about in the episodes, of course, you can send us an email to therampantrundown at outlook.com and either myself or Tom will pick that up. If you want to support me, then please do. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at Lady Rampant or on all social media, actually, at Lady Rampant. Just look for the queen with the red hair and you shall find me. But thank you very much for sticking with us and tuning into our episode this week. It's been my pleasure and we will see you next week at 5pm. It's bye for now. Bye!